Hello and welcome to Movie Theater Time Machine, the very special episode for this Christmas season, special or whatever you want to do, whatever you call it, whatever you're doing. Today we are joined by a great actor, and have you ever said, hey, it's that guy, we have pretty much the original, that guy here. <laughs> so here, so it's Mr. Larry Hankin joining us. Hey, how you doing, sir? Well, now I'm doing great because you just did a uh, commercial for my book. It's called That Guy. <laughs> That's we, great. We have, we, you know, our podcast agent, Steve, told us a lot about it. So, I mean, I got to ask first, what, what what came about doing that now? How did that come together? I had nothing else to do. I mean, that, that's why I do anything. <laughs> if I don't have something to do, I'll find something to do. And I didn't have anything to do. So I said, well, let's write a book. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. You just, you know, bumble through life and you figure out something to do every day. That's what I did. I figured out. And it took me all the way through COVID. Yeah. That, that's that's why I had all this time and I had yeah. I was in the house with that, that two years of COVID. Which is a great title for a book, two years. Yeah, two years. So I was in the house and I was sequestered. Yeah. So I thought, man, what can you do sitting in the house? I thought, well, man, writing, you write, that's what you do. So I'll write a a, a book. And I wrote a book about being that guy, that, yeah. uh, all my stuff in show business, you know, all, yeah. all the episodes and movies that I, I've done. And it's a cautionary tale, really. It's it's uh, it's not your ordinary Hollywood. Wow, wasn't it wonderful? I'm living my dream. It's not that. Yeah. It's uh, it's uh, all the other stuff. Yeah. That, that's what it's about. All the other stuff. The, right before you go on camera, right after you come off camera, and and all the the weirdness that goes on before you know they go. All right, action. And then cut. Yeah, I didn't talk about action or anything between action and cut. I just talked about the stuff right before action and right after action. That that's that's where Hollywood is at. That that's Hollywood. And I just a little warning to you people who want to be actors. Yeah, I'm sure you have like a real lot to be able to tell us. I mean, with stories like I. I want to pick your brain on some things that you have had work with uh, Lucille Ball all the way down to The Rock, pretty much really. Boy, and, you and, just hit it, man. That's the I, I that's my career right there. You, yeah. you just put it right. Boom. <laughs> From Lucille Ball I'm to that The good. Rock. <laughs> that's it, man. That's what my book is about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got everyone in between. I mean, it just seems to be there's, there's the Kevin Bacon game where you can right. six people, you know, and with you know, six it. degrees from Kevin Bacon. Yeah, it was that? I mean, it, should there really be the six degrees of Larry Hankin? <laughs> wow, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Kevin Bacon is pretty ubiquitous, man. I mean, yeah. you, you can't. There's certain. There's certain levels, you know, you just stay away from. Just, I'm not going to climb that that mountain. I don't know. That's, yeah. I'll give you that. I, yeah. I don't know, but thanks yeah. for the comparison. Okay. <laughs> oh, we appreciate that. I mean, you've had one of the stories that I really wanted to know, and I I know you were roommates with Carl Gottlieb. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
who we had on the show last year. Just about really, the- actually, yeah. Oh boy, if I'm following in my roommate's footsteps, great. Yeah. Just That's cool. I know he he's he's responsible for for me being on your show. I mean, uh, he 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 kidnapped me, kind of. He, I I asked him when we graduated. We both were, we may, became friends in in uh, Syracuse University. Hmm. Uh, he was in the drama department. I was in the industrial design department. I, so I'm, I'm a painter. That That's my paintings up there. Uh, so he's, I uh, got into an altercation on uh, graduation day, uh, and I didn't want to be an industrial designer. I, I really didn't. I, I thought it was going to be about art. I, I saw, I didn't do any research. My, my parents said, you, you can't go to, you can't go out of town. To, to go to college. I didn't want to go to college. I just didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to do anything. And um, so I said, well, let me go to Syracuse. That's not too far. I was in living in New York in Far Rockaway. And it was just up up the river a, a while. So, um, <laughs> whoa, that was a nice, what, what did you just do? I was there? just grabbing my notes, actually. I just, oh, okay. so just gave some weird thing on the camera. But he's trying to crawl in the camera. Um, so uh, I went to Syracuse, met Carl there. And when I discovered that it wasn't design, it was industrial, was the way it shaped out. So I, I didn't want to go into industrial design. I wanted to go into design, and uh, that was a mistake. So I went through the whole course, but I asked Carl, I said, uh, where are you going when you gra- we graduate at the same time? Where are you g- going? Because I don't want to go to Detroit and design cars, which is what mm-hmm. I was going to do. I mean, that, that's what they were aiming me for. So he said, I'm going to Greenwich Village and become a writer. And I said, wow, man, Greenwich Village. That sounds cool. Let, let, do you want a roommate? And, I, and he said, yeah, I, I don't have any money. He didn't have any money. Neither did I. So I, I hooked up with him. And that's how I got into show business. He, he was going off into writing and I had nothing to do. I, I had to clean a, the bar, bars, I bus bars, a bar from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., you know, after the last call. That's, that was my show business. That was, that was uh, Greenwich Village. But I had my nights free to, to go in before 2 a.m. to go to work. So I'd hang around the village, and the bar was in the village in the middle of it, all these coffee houses. So I would hang around the coffee house. I'd just go in and just sit until, you know, two, well, they closed around 12 midnight or one. And then I just hang around and go to work. So I was watching these comedians on stage, you know, open mic nights, Thursdays, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I noticed that um, what, the one thing that, that I noticed wasn't the comedians. It was the um, open mic night audiences they had such patience. In other words, if you weren't funny, I mean, you got three minutes, you know, open mic night. You know, right. you got three yeah. minutes yeah. to five minutes. Yeah. And if you weren't funny, they they didn't boo, they didn't hiss, they didn't do it. They sat there and they drank their coffee and they waited for you to get off the stage. Three minutes. I got three minutes. Go ahead. I got a full cup of coffee here. So, and also they didn't want to boo because they were there to watch their friend get up. So if they booed me, I was going to boo their friends. And they knew that. Everybody knew that. 
So everybody was very patient and very quiet. And if you if you were funny, they laughed. And if you weren't funny, they would just wait. And I thought that was so kind and cool yeah. of them that I wasn't afraid to get up on the stage because I have stage fright. I get stage fright. And once I get up there, I'm cool, you know, but but stage fright, you know, everything. Uh, it's a great quote of Bob Dylan in, in one of his songs. He said, those things that are those things that are big in the distance get smaller close up. Mm. Great quote. Uh, and that's the way I figured it. Wow. You know, once I got up there, there was n- nothing. It was yeah. cool. So, and, and they were kind. And if I wasn't funny, you know, they didn't laugh. And if I was funny, they laughed. And it was cool. And I just kept doing that until I always got laughs all the time, you know, for three minutes. Wow. And then five minutes. Then they let me do 10. And then I was opening on Saturday nights for the folk singer. And I was in show business, you know. I was in, uh, So that's how I... That's my Carl Gottlieb. So he was the one who got me in. That, that's what I'm saying. And is there is there truth to a story that, you know, as you were... None of, at all. It's a lie. It's all <laughs> a lie. No, but there's a story that I, I read about that I, I skimmed it and I wanted to know if this was real, that you and Carl were, you know, starving artists going up, that you took shrimp from a party and forgot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh that's great man thank you for that uh yeah that's a that's yeah that's true um uh, well i'll tell you the the, the story of it uh yeah, sure. it made me laugh yeah. um we were both starving uh, he was uh, a writer on these local newspapers not even you know like the yeah. times or the whatever i mean oh, these are the uh, newspapers that were neighborhood newspapers you know they were Okay, yeah. So for blocks away. So that's so he was starving. Uh, We had a walk up, a a four or five flight walk up, you know, in Greenwich Village. You know, I think it was $75 a month or something. It was really weird. Uh, And uh, only one bedroom, a living room, and a kitchen. The bathtub was in the kitchen. I don't know how they got that. I guess the pipes, I guess. I don't know. Uh, So that's how, and and I was bussing, you know, from. 2 to 6 a.m., then that doesn't pay much money. So between the two, he'd eke out 75 bucks a month. Uh, a month. Uh, plus, you know, stealing. I was stealing food from the bar to, to, to feed myself. Uh, it was a bar and grill. Uh, I would just take enough to eat, you know, for a day or two. And I didn't, okay. Anyway, this is the shrimp. So, he was reviewing movies. Now, back in the day, this was in the 60s, early 60s, um, all the movies, they, w- they would show movies to be reviewed. And whether you were in a neighborhood newspaper or the New York Times or Life magazine, you all watched the same movie at the same time. You know, they just invited all the reporters. So he were at now. So what they would do is, and he did it, he would do these three or four times a week because a lot of movies were opening up and stuff. Um, What they do is they serve you wine uh, for the the reporters, the reviewers. Uh, Wine and the the frozen shrimp, the bowls of of frozen shrimp, you know, the the cocktail cocktail shrimp. Yeah, yeah. So that's what they did. And that was always time. You get a glass of wine and you have some cocktail shrimp and you go in and you get drunk, you see the movie and you give it a great review. So what he would be doing is uh, I didn't 
you know, I didn't have enough money. We didn't have to, to, to feed myself sometimes. And I couldn't always steal uh, from from the bar. I didn't want to I didn't want to raise any red flags about what's happening to the food. So, you know, I got to be really careful. So what I would do. So he would now. And they also in those days, not only did you get wine and, and shrimp, but you got a real damask cloth or a linen napkin, not this paper stuff. Yeah. Like re real real napkins yeah. from restaurants. Yeah. So what he would do is he'd take a handful of shrimp, he would put it in a napkin, yeah. and he would put it in his pocket. Because uh, the whole thing with the reviewing the movies, you had to wear a suit for yeah. some reason. I don't know. Oh, so yeah. all the reporters, all the reviewers wore suits. So put it in. Yeah. Okay. And then he would bring back the shrimp in, in the thing, and, he and that would my, be my dinner. Yeah. Would be would be the 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 cold shrimp, and I would save the the linen napkins. Yeah, I, yeah. I I wouldn't throw them away. Yeah. I would just hang them all over the apartment. Yeah. So I had like you know, a lot you know forty or yeah. restaurants. I don't know a lot of napkins. Yeah. So we were keeping track of that. So that's so that's the story. And then one day, he came to me uh, after I thought it was like a habit. Now I got okay at least. Two or three days a week, I got Carl is going to bring me my my dinner. Yeah. Uh, he comes to me and he says, OK, I, I can't do this anymore. And I thought maybe I got caught or something. I don't know. Yeah. I said, why not? Mm -hmm. He goes, mm -hmm. because my suit is starting to smell like fish. Oh, <laughs> I go, oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> So they were like that. So, and I, uh, I wasn't going to pay for the cleaning. I didn't have enough money to pay for that. <laughs> so that was that's the story. Uh, yeah, we went through some times together. <laughs> um, hey man, what do you mean? I can't eat. I have to steal money, so I can't. So I had to quit. Yeah. Because I, I had to steal more food. Yeah. And so I, I didn't want to do that because. You know, the, the chef would say, hey, man, what's, you know, what's going on? So yeah. what, what I would be doing was I'd wear a raincoat to work everywhere, uh, every every night. Yeah. Rain or shine, yeah, winter, or summer. Where, uh, I got that from from uh, Harpo Marx, you oh. know, the Marx Brothers. Oh, okay. The spoons, yeah. you know, he would steal yeah. spoons and <laughs> ding, 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 ding. You know, he'd like that. So I thought, hey, Harpo, cool. So yeah. wear, and I would stick rashers of bacon, you know, about you know, one of those flat rashers of bacon. I was sticking my back in my belt, you know, on the back yeah. belt. There. Yeah. And then I put the oh, uh, raincoat over it and I would only steal stuff that I could stick in my pockets, like small cans of, you know, sausages or stuff yeah. Yeah. or the protein stuff. And yeah. I'll put that in my pocket, but it, so it wouldn't bulge. So mm -hmm. I, I had stuff only I could steal. I could take, I could purloin. I keep on using the word steal. Yeah. Like I'm a criminal. Well, of yeah. course I am, but you know, yeah. small time. So uh, <laughs> I paid them back. No, I hadn't. Uh, so, uh, and I would stand by the door. And at yeah. 6 a.m., the chef would come in, the morning chef would come in, and he would open. They would lock it from the outside. I never understood that. Well, the last person out, I would come in around 2 or a little before last call. I would just hang around. And watch people, you know, dropping peanut shells on the floor. Ah. So uh, I would watch that. 
then the last person would leave, they would lock the door from the outside. I, I never questioned it, but I, I didn't figure out why. I, I don't know. Maybe because uh, so I couldn't open the door and let my friends in. Maybe that. Yeah. So anyway, so I had to wait for somebody to unlock the door from the outside in the morning to let me out. So I was trapped in there. What? Uh, so, well, that's what, that's what he did. I mean, I, I don't know how if the place caught on fire, I would break the front window. and, and I mean, I don't know how I could get out. It never, it never occurred to me until I left the job and I go, wait a minute, the place caught on fire. How the hell did I get out? <laughs> anyway. What I would do is I'd wait with my raincoat by the door. I would stand, you know, with my back kind of to the to the wall on the side, and the door would be here. The door would open like that. Yeah. So the chef would come in, he'd open the door, and I'd say, hey, "Hi, Marty, how you doing?" And I'd I'd slink out. Yeah. I would okay. slide out, so I wouldn't turn my back on him. Maybe there's a bump thing. <laughs> and I would do that, you know. And uh, so that's what I did. But I couldn't do that too long. I mean, I was doing it for like maybe a week or two. Okay. And I thought, no, this is not, I was, I'm going to get caught or it's not right. Uh, I don't know. I just, so I quit. Yeah. And uh, well, I got one other job for one day, uh, but, but I, but I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I mean, I, I was getting enough laughs, open mic nights to, to think, and then they started letting me, uh, you know, introduce for Friday nights and, and Saturday nights. I was the MC, so I can work on my stuff and still expand it. And then, uh, you know, a manager came in and said, hey, you got a manager? That's all we wanted to do in Greenwichville. We weren't there for fame or, or fortune. It was really just to exist. Just to, just to get representation. Oh, that was okay. that was the theory. That was the theory. Why you were in Greenwich Village? Yeah. So nobody was famous, but we all wanted. So if you got representation, yeah, you were like king of the village for that one night oh, or right. that one yeah. beer blast at the at yeah. the end of the night. Yeah. Hey, I got a representation. So yeah. I got representation of this guy named um, Jack Rollins. He said, yeah. "Well, I said, okay, you're uh, yeah." I said, "No." And he, and he said, as I came off the stage, he said, no. Uh, I, do you have a ribbon? I said, no. He says, well, do you want one? I said, yeah, we all want one. And he said, okay, how about me? Yeah. And I said, okay, right. You know, because I, I did, yeah, man. Right, yeah, yeah. So, so he said, okay, my name is Jack Rollins. If anybody asks, I think he gave me a card, but I don't even think he had a card. He said, Jack Rollins, if anybody asks, your manager is Jack Rollins. Remember that. I'll come in every once in a while, check. And we'll see, and we'll we'll start working together. Okay, fine. So that night, I remember, you know, we're sitting around having beers with, uh, you know, after work with the other comedians, and I announced I had, uh, hey man, I got I got representation, and it was, oh wow, man, he got representation. I go, yeah, who who is it? I don't know. This guy named Jack Rollins, and everybody said, you got Jack Rollins? You don't know who Jack Rollins is, right? No, you, I don't. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, well, nobody did back then except comedians. And okay. my friends were all comedians. And they go, wow. okay. Jack Rollins was yeah. Woody Allen's manager. Okay. And I had, and Woody was becoming big. He was still yeah. in the village, but he was yeah. in nightclubs in the village. Yeah. But he was famous, and he would pack his his uh, nightclubs every, every night. Yeah. And, uh, 
and I had his man. And so that was like, that was a gift out of, I don't know where, you know, out of somebody else's future. I had, that wasn't mine, but that, that's what, and, and then I started to be, you know, and then what happened was I started to become a, a, a um, what do you call it? Uh, a critical thinking comedian. Mm-hmm. I was just being funny, you know, stuff I saw, I was doing marijuana jokes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the village, you know, and then yeah, in right. the early sixties. Yeah. I was doing what I what I saw around and making fun of it and stuff. But once he started booking me in nightclubs, Jack Rollins, you know, and I was I was opening for Woody uh, for yeah. a, uh, a sort of uptown, maybe I think on Twelfth Street or Eleventh Street. I was, getting uptown was the was the thing. First, you get representation. Yeah, then you get into nightclubs. Then yeah. you go uptown, and yeah. then you start booking around. The country you know that that's the stations yeah. of the cross okay. so i was like uptown and uh i was getting booked around but as i was and i was opening for woody but i started to notice that woody would would kill he would he would get laughs he would pack the the place and i would open for these packed audiences and they would be, and i would be really funny because they were a comedy crowd comedy crowds come to laugh yeah, Just right. like music yeah. people come yeah. to hear music, right. comedy people want to laugh. They that's what they're there for. It's uh, really amazing. So in the beginning, I everybody was laughing, but but that started to die. Mm. Houses were packed, but yeah. I was starting to get less and less laughs. That you know, generally you get more and more as you got better and better. Yeah, and I couldn't figure it out until my. I started to see, I was watching George Carlin, Richie Pryor, and I said, oh, critical thinking. I was starting to, yeah, yeah. to you know, get into politics and religion and sex and drugs and rock and roll. Critical thinking. Yeah. So uh, the audience, Woody's audience wasn't my audience. Oh, they, he was a white bread kind of yeah. middle class Jewish kind of mm-hmm. up upscale. Yeah, but still wasn't my audience. It wasn't the rock and roll crowd. And that would come later. I, so I had, a, I had a, I called Jack and I said, look, I can't open for Woody anymore. It's not my audience. And he said, oh, cool. You discovered that because he kind of knew, you know, we, we would go like that. We We just. He knew. So he said, okay, you gotta we gotta go on your own. I'm I'm gonna get you to book big acts now, you know. So I was opening for Ian and Sylvia, the Kingston Trio, Miles Davis, uh, you know, just get to see where my audience was. He he just wanted me to find my audience. And it was pretty much the jazz crowd, you know, and it mm. was and I wanted to get into rock, I wanted to get into the college crowd. And uh, so the Love and Spoonful wanted me to go on tour with them as the opening act instead of a, a rock, a local rock band that they picked up in each town. They yeah. say, well, I travel with us because they love my, my, my work. I mean, I knew Zal yeah. uh, and I knew the band because we started in Greenwich Village together. They were playing next door. They were coming to see me. So we had a, a you know, history together. So and, and I thought, oh, the. The, the college crowd, that's what I needed. Yeah. So I said, yeah. And the first night at Washington University in, uh, I guess it was 
I don't know, Louisiana, Alabama, one of those, Missouri, I think it was Missouri. Uh, and uh, a college crowd, oh my, wow, you know, and I had got my best material for my college crowd, my thinking crowd, and they booed me, man. Oh. oh yeah, I, I put my hands up like this, I go, shut up, you know, I talked to them. You know, I was doing a routine, and then they go, boo, we want to hear the funny stuff. Tell the funny yeah. stuff. I'm telling you the funny yeah. stuff. You know, it's the funny yeah. stuff. Yeah. What are you talking about? The clean stuff. The yeah. clean stuff. I go, oh, man, are you kidding? So I started to talk to them. You know, just no performance. Hey, 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 hey. There's a big, you know, like 2,000 people in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. And I go, what are you doing? You're booing me? And you're you're supposed to be hip. I, I confronted them with their unhipness. You're supposed to be hip. You're a college crowd. What the hell? What are you talking about? Why are you booing me? I I was hot, and they shut up. Yeah. Whoa! And they just became college students. You know. Uh oh. The teachers. Yeah. Them, you know. They shut up, and so when they shut up, I thought, oh, okay. I I, I chastised them. Yeah. They got it. I can continue. So I goes, okay, thank you. And I just went on with my sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And they now they were pulling off the 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 um armrests of you know the old time movie house theaters with right. the wooden armrests. They were pulling them off. If you knock them from behind, you can pull them off to remove them. And throwing them at me. Oh my god. What? Oh, yeah, man, and I'm ducking. I mean, if one of them hit me, I would have been in the hospital. I mean, it was worse than bottles. He's a fucking wood, man. And so, you know, the first three rows was just get off the stage, you know, because I had I had fooled them, right? I had quieted them down. They became calm, and then I just went on with my. So they didn't like that at all. So I said, okay. So I spoke to him again. I said, you know, stop. Okay. I mean, this is ridiculous. And the loving spoonful are, are laughing their asses off in the wing. <laughs> oh, man. No, do, do the duty stuff. Because they wanted a riot. They, yeah. they wanted the publicity. Yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. So, no, do the duty stuff. Do the duty stuff. Keep talking. No, no. So, I, so I, you know, you have clean stuff. And so I picked and chose in my head. And I, yeah. I said, okay, okay, I'll do the clean yeah. stuff. So I was doing the clean stuff. And then they just, like, forgot that they booed. It was just... They went back into being an audience, you know, they were, ha, 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 ha. Oh. and so I thought, well, and then I got a big laugh on something clean. Yeah. So I just switched immediately to, I was talking about a naked guy and what that was between his yeah. legs. I mean, it was just, that's what set them off the, like that, you know, Hey, what's that between your legs? I was playing God. So yeah. I was doing sex and God, sex and religion. And they just couldn't take it, you know, Hey, what's that between your legs? So, that's what started them booing. So when I got this clean laugh, big laugh, about, yeah. about 10 minutes uh, you know, into it, I thought, oh, I got them. Now they won't yeah. boo anymore. Yeah. So I immediately went, okay, so what's that between your legs? And I just went freaking. Oh, oh, fuck you. And the guys and the, the lights went on. Yeah. The lights went. I mean, so somebody signaled, okay, turn the lights on. That's it yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, first of all, I could see the audience. 
And the guys in the back, because the first three rows had thrown all their armrests, they didn't yeah. have any more. And yeah. the five and six were, were too far to throw them. Yeah. So the guys in the back were pulling them off and passing their armrests down what for the for the guys in the front to throw them. So I see them. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And then yeah. 20, 20, count them 20. Cops came marching down each aisle, wall aisle, 10 on each side. Of faith. And they came up on both sides of the stage and they put them on. Not very rough. I don't think they even knew why they were doing this. Somebody said, get this guy off the stage. That was all. Right. It was a dean. I found out later. It was a dean back there. The, the dean had called him the first time. Right. The dean before I quieted him down the first time. Yeah. When I started to be blah, 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 the dean called the cops immediately. Yeah. And the cops showed up when I was doing my clean stuff by the time yeah. they got there. So the, 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 they waited in the back and they think, yeah. he's not doing anything dirty. Why, why are we here? <laughs> and the dean said, well, we'll wait. Wait, yeah. let's see. Yeah. And sure enough, you know, later I just started to do the, dirt, the dirty stuff. Hey, what's that between your legs? And the, the dean says, okay, get him off the stage. So they came marching down and they, they said, you have to get off the stage. So I said, fine, I'm not going to yeah. argue with 20 right. policemen. Yeah. And the, the, the crowd just was in awe of, yeah. of this thing <laughs> happening in front of them. Pretty much. Like that. <laughs> so they marched me backstage and the, the, 11 spoonful, the 11 spoonful were waiting backstage. Yeah. They took me off and then 18 of the cops, because they left two cops with me, yeah. backstage, just standing there. Yeah. And the, the, the loving spoonful say, hey, man, he's really funny. I mean, why are you doing You know, they try to. Yeah. But the 18 cops just left. They just marched off the stage, left two cops with me and kept on going. Didn't yeah. say goodbye, nothing. Just kept got out of there because they didn't know why they were there. And I said, why are you standing here? You know, I'm I'm off the stage. It's It's over. Well, why are you? And they said, we have instructions to guard you <laughs> until the Lovin' Spoonful play their first number so you don't run on the stage and start again. <laughs> oh. It's for their are you serious? I mean, I'm saying, it's over, man. You know, meanwhile, the, I, you know, I, they took me up 10 minutes before I was supposed to, you know, finish. Yeah. So, uh, the Reven Spoonful and their crew to move the drums and everything out there, you know, they're meanwhile rushing to get because they weren't ready yet. Yeah. And so there's nothing going on. The audience is starting, hey man, bring on the Reven Spoonful. And they were getting rowdy out there. Yeah, yeah. So so finally they started to play, and then the, the cops just split. They didn't say goodbye or thank you. <laughs> they nothing. Right. They just left. So that that was my. But the rest of the tour was not like that. It, I got my college crowd, but the first one was kind of scary because it's down south. I think it was maybe like a, a, a Christian religious university. I, I think oh, okay. Washington University. That was the name of it. I don't know. Yeah. So, but that's how I got. That was my start in show business. You know, just wow. learning what yeah. all that was about. Yeah. Now, so we will. Um... 
Yeah, we will review. We will come back with more with Larry Hankin because we have a bunch of your movies that I want to get some stories on from you that I've heard. Those things I want to see if these are true or not. So okay. we're, we're gonna we're gonna come right back. We're gonna tell you about forty forty one media, and we'll see you on the other side of this. Hey there, it's Nick coming to you from a little bit in the future, editing this video and podcast. So our sponsors are always great for us. You know, thanks to adamandeve.com. Uh, use the offer code MTTM at checkout uh, to get a bunch of discounts and also anything we need because we all need discounts nowadays, especially if you're looking for the late gift or something else. By all means, go right ahead and do that. We have 4041 Media. Uh, 4041media.com is our site for its premier group for podcast and gathering of media professionals and influencers and everything for us in the fall of Massachusetts area. And also, just to mention, there is movietheatertimemachine.com. Go to our website so you can go ahead, check us out, and we can entertain you. You can sign up and you can keep uh, you can keep in touch with us. Through that website now, Merry Christmas to all. Now back to the Larry Hankin interview. So um, I, I got the costume. Uh, Jerry Parrish was the director. So I went in, I, sh I showed up on the set. Now, the, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but in TV, it's still to this day, the people who cast you are not the people who direct you. Right, the casting, and then you when you get there, there's two different people. Yeah. So the director doesn't hire you. So when you get on the set, he's meeting you for the first time, yeah. even though you audition for somebody else. Hmm. Anyway, so I showed up on the set, and Jerry Paris, the director, <laughs> wouldn't talk to me, or uh, he would, yeah, he just wouldn't talk to me. Uh, he ignored me. Not that he wouldn't talk to me. He he just would stay away from me. Hmm. I mean, if I talked to him, he'd answer hmm. me. But yeah. Um, and through the whole shoot, you know, he maybe would say, "Stand over there," but he would say it from a distance. He would just say, hmm. "You stand over there." I I was it really confused me. I don't know, but I did the whole show. Blah blah blah. And many years later, uh, maybe a year later. I was at a party and there was Jerry Paris and I go, hey, Jerry, do you, you remember? Yeah, yeah. And I had been on other shows so he recognized me. And he says, I said, why didn't you talk to me? I, I never figured that out. Yeah. You remember when I was the Hell's Angel? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you. Yeah, well, um, I thought you were a Hell's Angel. I thought they hired a Hell's Angel. And I didn't want to give you any directions because I didn't want to start a fight. And I thought you would wreck the place. So I just ignored you. I just, uh, I, you thought I was a hell's angel? Yeah, yeah, I did. He was being very honest. And there was another time when this happened again. Yeah. Where, uh, oh, in the Armed and Dangerous. Yeah. Oh, buddy, that's the one. That's yeah. the one you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was on acid. Yeah. That was the character. The character was, I was on acid, Kokolovich. Yeah. And uh, I wore a headband, you know, like yeah. a, for, you know, like a gang. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they were handing out the guns. Mm. And, uh, and and the guns and flashlight. We were a hired, you know, like hired, a hired cop, that kind of thing. Yeah. And with John Candy and um, 
the other guy and I don't know who. Uh, so I was on acid and, and I got in costume and I was playing on acid. So when I relate now, when I get a character, yeah. just just to remind me, I mean, it's just like habit. Uh, I'll go, I, you know, like I, the character. I wouldn't do that. Or I, where do you want me to stay? Yeah. You know, so I refer to myself as the character. So uh, he said, um, the director, so he's giving out the gun. Now, John Candy is behind me. So we're standing right. in the line. Yeah. John Candy is behind me. And they're handing out the guns, a, a, a gun and a flashlight. Gun and a flashlight. That's it. That's the scene. There's no no talking. Yeah. Here's your gun, here's your flashlight. Next. Here's your gun, here's your flashlight. Next. That's the scene. Period. Yeah. Okay, so I go, now I'm on acid. That's my character. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, okay, you know, you always try to act within what your character's purview is what his point of view is mm -hmm. so i thought what would a a guy on acid how would he receive a gun and a flesh yeah. that's like a guy on acid yeah so i thought well because i've been through this before you know with the booing and the you know critical yeah. thinking so right. i don't want to get too far out with the gun yeah so yeah. i thought well the flashlight i'll the acid and the flashlight so i thought well i'll i'll just Get the flashlight and and the flashlights, all the flashlights had had batteries in them. Yeah. The you know, prop department was very, you know, sure. very good with that. Yeah. And it was a big budget. So yeah. batteries in the flashlight. So when I got the flashlight, you know, and there's no rehearsal for this. Yeah. Yeah. They just said, hey, hey, line up and get your guns, right? Yeah. You know, John, yeah. you get behind Larry. Okay. Or get behind Kokolovich. Yeah. Get sure. behind Kokolovich. Okay. Boom. Here's your gun. Here's your gun. When I got the flashlight, I just turned it on and stared into it as I walked in. <laughs> I was thinking that. You know. Right. So it's really funny. So the director immediately yelled, cut, and everybody fell down laughing, just like they're laughing. <laughs> I'm going like that, and everybody goes, oh. Because he yelled cut. You, you know, you can you know, <laughs> Yeah, right. So uh, the everybody goes, What what was the cut for? Yeah. So the director comes over to me and he says, What the hell are you doing? Yeah. So what do you mean, what am I doing? He said, Well, what is this? When you turn on the flashlight, you're looking into it. What the hell is that? <laughs> so I said, yeah. Well, I'm on acid. <laughs> well, that's all the director had to hear. Oh no! He, he oh, believed no. me. He believed me. Yeah. He believed that I was on acid because yeah. I said I'm on acid. Yeah. Imagine. He said, "Well, yeah." So he backed off. Yeah. He goes, "You what?" Yeah. He said I'm on acid, so I'm looking into the flashlight. It's acid. <laughs> so he goes, "I don't do that. All right, we're going to do the scene again. Don't do that. Don't don't look into the flashlight. We're going to do the scene again." So. <laughs> they lined up and he did it so I didn't I didn't look into the flashlight. Yeah, I mean he's the director, you know. What yeah, the fuck yeah, the fuck? yeah. So I like to go blah 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 blah. And yeah. we go through the scene and he goes, Okay, moving on. Yeah. And we yeah. start to tear down the set. And the cinematographer, who was a big time cinematographer, that I knew. Yeah. He, he'd done a lot of big time movies. Yeah. 
He said, I've never seen this done in all my years in, in, in Hollywood. I have never, ever seen a cinematographer ever speak yeah. to a cast member or anybody except the director. Yeah. And the cinematographer says, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going on? What happened to the flashlight thing? Yeah. So, so the director said, I, I, I cut it. Yeah. So why did you cut it? So now there's a discussion going on, and this is a big movie, so everybody's yeah, yeah. starting to gather around. And he said, uh, well, that, that was the cinematographer. said, that, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so the director said, it's, it's not funny. He's on acid. Yeah. So he, he said, the, the said, I don't care what he's on. It's funny. Yeah. So, right. uh, so, so, so he says, well, it's not, it's not going in. We're moving on. Yeah, the cinematographer. Who I've never seen this done. He goes, "Look, all right, hold it, everybody, just hold it, hold it. Don't, don't do anything." He says to his crew, "Don't touch anything." <laughs> okay, and he says to the director, "I, I would like to shoot this one more time, and and let him do the the flashlight thing." So he said, "No." So they're fighting there, and this is crazy, man. And this is a big budget. Yeah, this is insane. Yeah. And uh, you know, because in, in movies, you know, time is money. That, that, that's right. like yeah. not fucking around, man. Yeah. So the so the cinematographer says, "Well, I'm not going to tell the guys to move on until we do the shooting again." So now the director, there's a first time director, mm. so he had to listen. Yeah. So he said, "All right, all right okay, all right, let's shoot it again. Everybody, we're going to shoot the scene again, and then we're moving on. Okay, <laughs> we're only doing this once." Yeah. And the cinematographer says, okay. So we shoot it again. I look into the thing. Now that now I look into the thing, and then you know, John Candy's got it, got his, you know, gun in for last yeah. night. So I do my thing, you know, there's a silence. He gets his gun, you gotta run through the whole scene. Yeah. Last guy gets his thing, cut, and everybody laughs. They were holding it in. Yeah. <laughs> so the cinematographer comes, you know, comes over and he says, "Well, to the director, because everybody's laughing." They, he's, yeah. Oh, what the, what the cinematographer said. This is important. Yeah. yeah. What the cinematographer said was when he says, "Okay, we're going to do it again," because he knew it was his first time directing. He couldn't argue with the crew was not going to move unless the cinematographer said, yeah. "Move." Oh, uh, okay. So he had to give. He had to give in. Yeah, yeah. He said, but that is just once and then moving on. Yeah. So the cinematographer said, okay, he made an announcement to his crew. He said, this is really weird. He said, can I have all the members of my crew, the lighting, the, the camera crew, all the, which is the lighting people and the camera people. He said, all the members of my crew who are not working this set, this, this scene, I want you to gather around the, the, the set here and just watch this scene. Yeah. And so everybody said, what the fuck is going on, man? So yeah. you see him coming out of the woodwork, you know, yeah. some of them were playing cards, you know, they yeah. weren't in the scene. Yeah. And they're coming around and gathered around and it's, what the fuck is this all about? <laughs> so he said, all right, just, I just want you to watch the scene. That's it. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's run the scene again. Larry, do the flashlight thing. Okay, so now the cinematographer is directing. Larry, do that. John, you do that, everybody. Okay, and action, da da da, boom, blah, blah, laugh. Okay. So, and then the cinematographer says, Well, 
And so the cinematographer says, and so the director goes, okay, very grudging. Okay, <laughs> moving on, moving on. Okay. <laughs> so the cinematographer says, and we will work it out in post, okay? <laughs> and he says, okay. Well, all right. Wait, so now, yeah. cut to about three months later. So that's the mistake. The yeah. director thought I was on acid. The other guy thought I was a hell's angel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's the, the answer. Now, the the ending of this was about two or three months later when they're having a screening of the movie, when it's all finished editing and everything. Yeah. The director is waiting, this first-time director, James. His name is James. Something. His, his brother is a movie actor. Yeah. Anyway, so... The director is waiting outside of the screening room. And when he sees me coming in, he, he call, pulls me aside. Yeah. Pulls me aside and he says, uh, look, I got to explain something to you. I go, what? He says, first of all, you understand I thought you were on acid when we were shooting the movie. I go, yeah. I know he says, so I want to apologize for that, for, you know, talking to you weirdly. I just didn't want to disturb you because I thought you were on acid and you'd freak out. So I'm sorry about that. Okay. I said, all right, thank you very much. He said, but now you're going to watch the movie and I got to explain something to you. Yeah. I go, now what? He goes, look, I thought you were on acid. And so, you know, I, I don't know if you, you understand making movies, but you understand matching shots. What it is, is if you got a close-up on me talking yeah. to you, then yeah. you have to have a matching shot of a close-up of you listening to me talking right. to you. Right. So it's matching, matching. Yeah. Okay. So he said, now, I, I was in a lot of scenes yeah. just as, a, as, a, as another cop, you know, and another hired cop. I was in a lot of scenes. But a, a lot of times people would say stuff. To, I had lines. So right. people would talk to me and I talked to them, matching shots. So he said, the director, going into the screening, he said, I really did believe that you were on acid. So I didn't do any of your coverage because I thought since you were on acid, you would be cut out of the movie. So there's a lot of scenes here where people are talking to you and I have their close up and I don't have any coverage on you. I just was saving time. So I just moved on after I got there close up. So they're talking to you. And then I had to cut to a, a master shot, which is just the coverage of the entire scene from yeah. beginning to end. Right, right. Yeah. Meaningless. Yeah. So he said, so a lot of the times there's a close up of the person talking to you. And then there's a close up of the wide master shot. That's on purpose because we didn't have any coverage of you because I thought you were on acid. Now, in some instances, there is some coverage. Yeah. Not a master shot, but maybe a two shot or maybe something I had to get. Mm. And you were in it. He said, the producers, when I cut the movie, when, when the director cut the movie, you were out of it. I cut you out of the movie. Oh. Unless when somebody was talking and I had, you had to see who he was talking to, I went to the master shot. Other than that, you were not in the movie. I cut you out. I had first cut. Really? Yes. 
He says, however, when the producers saw the movie, they said, what the fuck happened to Hankin? Yeah. And he said, well, he was on acid. I cut him out. And the, and the producer said, acid, schmacid. He's a funny guy. I want you to put him back in the movie and everything you have on him. Wow. So the director said, me and the editor had to go through all of the footage over and over to find all the shots of you we threw away. Oh. To put you back in the movie. Wow. Yeah. This is fucking incredible. <laughs> and so that's and then I went in to see the movie and it was a herky it's not a very good movie. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny, but yeah. but the herky jerky of me, sometimes there was an answering shot to me, sometimes it was a master shot, sometimes it was a three shot. It was just all over the place. I mean, it just didn't work. But <laughs> but I got my laugh when I did this. The audience broke up. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably the one of the bigger laughs in the movie. You know. Uh the other the other thing was uh I don't know, can I is that it? Can I tell you more or you, please do, yeah. Uh, yes. the other thing about that, because yeah. it was really funny, once I understood what was going on, yeah. it was very funny. Yeah. Um there was one point because he didn't even want to be in it. He didn't want to be doing the shoot of the movie. The director didn't want to deal with me at all. I mean, right. he had a guy on acid on the set and he didn't want to cause any trouble. Right. So he had a, in his mind, had a direct, that was another obstacle that he had to work with, mm. you know, uh, uh, and, uh, yeah. an unknown yeah. actor who might yeah. freak at any time. Yeah. Was what was going through his mind. Yeah. So he tried to stay away from me as much as possible, which yeah. really weirded me out. But okay, so there was one scene where we had to go to a garbage dump. Yeah, uh, it was just John Candy, Eugene Levy, me, and a second unit of yeah. just three people: camera, sound, and an extra guy to help both of the other guys out. Yep. Okay, so six people. Yeah. The director wasn't there. He sent us to the garbage dump. He doesn't do garbage dumps. He doesn't direct garbage. <laughs> and he doesn't direct acid actors. So right, yeah. he wasn't even there. He yeah. sent us out, six people. He said, go to this garbage dump and do pickup shots of finding stuff in the garbage heap. Because there was some plot line about something was missing. Yeah. I, I don't even understand why the scene was in the movie. It's in the movie. Yeah. So anyway, all right. So we go out there. John Candy, Eugene Levy, me, and the six people. And we don't even know why we're there. It's not a scene really in the movie. Right. You know, in, in the script. Yeah. It was kind of an added on thing, or I don't know why, but just go out there and find stuff that's funny was the instructions we had. So we're out there just, you know, we drive out there, and we're in the middle of nowhere. We don't have a script. We, you know, it's yeah. a camera, a second unit. Yeah. So... By the way, I just want to say to Hollywood in, in particular, if I ever do a movie and shoot a movie, I just want to do it with second unit guys. Yeah. Second unit is the best. Yeah. They're the best because they're loose, man. Yeah. It's yeah. second unit. Yeah. It's, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're you know, shoot a gun and run, man. They're great. And they get it. They yeah. get it. Okay. 
So um, we're wandering around trying to figure out what's funny about garbage, man. Whoa. And so we're wandering around, picking up, going like, hey, is this funny? <laughs> is, this, is this funny? What, what do you think? Uh, so we're wasting time, you know. Hey, well, how about this? What do you, what do we do with this? So, and there's no director. Yeah, right. You know, the, the camera, the second unit. Never, yeah. And we're all actors. So finally, John Candy takes over. So this is a story about how great, funny John Candy is. Yeah. So Eugene and me said, yeah. John said, well, uh, I, I, I can uh, I can direct. Yeah. No, I, well, I want to direct. So you direct. No, I don't want to direct. Eugene, you know, and the camera guy, you want to direct? No, I don't yeah. want to direct. So John says, uh, let me direct. Yeah, okay. John's directing. Okay. So he goes, okay, everybody. Now his John's first direction. Okay, everybody, just go out and find something. Find something. Find something. Yeah. Uh, funny or not, just find something. So me and Eugene and John, yeah. we just go up. So I picked up an old shoe. Yeah. So I bring it back and say, well, what about this? So John says, yeah, that's good. Uh, Eugene came back with something. John had nothing. So we're so excited. So the cameraman is standing around. I'm holding a shoe. And John Candy is saying, so he turns to the cameraman. And they're in this, they're in this garbage dump. It's a big, huge garbage dump. And there's garbage, mountains of garbage, two stories high. Of garbage. Just, oh man! You know. So we're standing around. So John <laughs> says to the cameraman, "Where, where can he find this shoe? Where can Larry find this shoe?" Yeah. So the cameraman, he's got the camera, just looking around. I mean, we're looking for a movie. This is what we're doing. Right? <laughs> we're shooting a big budget movie, and we're looking for it. <laughs> so uh, a big, a big budget funny movie. So he's looking around. He says, well, what about there? What about? And he points to a mountain of garbage. He says, what about if he found it up there? Yeah. So John says, oh, that's great. Larry, climb that mountain and find the shoe up on top of that mountain. I go, well, I, I pictured it in my mind. And I said, it is funny. I have to climb a mountain of garbage two stories high. So he says, go ahead, we'll wait. Oh, thank you. So I start climbing up. God, it's garbage, man. You don't want to. Do it. And I and I got to hold the shoe. I can't. Oh, oh, by the way, wait. Yeah. Before he says, find it up there. As I start to leave, yeah. John Candy bends down. He picks up an old broken comb with a lot of the teeth missing. Yeah, he said, find yeah. this up there, too. Yeah. Oh, oh, I see. I get it. Yeah, yeah screw comb, yeah. funny. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> all right, so I climb up the, yeah. and it's 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 garbage all over me, and because yeah. a lot of it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I get up there, and I thought, oh wow, man, this is so cool. And there are like little dots down there, yeah. and he says, "You ready?" And I go, "Yeah." He says, "Okay." John Candy says, "And." Action, Larry. You know, so I bend down and I find the shoe and a comb. Oh no! I, what I did was, I found the other shoe. <laughs> what? 
a miracle. <laughs> yes, and I found the other one. That's what they said. <laughs> I found the other one. And then I slept and I fall into the garbage. You know, I disappear <laughs> down. <laughs> and I'm gone. Oh, it was really funny. That was funny too. In the movie. So, so yeah. So that was so. John Candy was a good director. He's he's a really funny guy. I mean, oh, man, you know, man. Home Alone. I was with him. He's yeah. funny, man. Yeah. And you've done the thing about yeah. The, yeah. the thing about John Candy being funny is he's he's so kind of overweight and normal looking. Yeah. Yeah. But you you don't expect him to be funny. That's why right. he's funny. Right. Yeah. You just don't. He's this normal guy, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know he eats a lot of Fritos and stuff, and you go, and then he just says something that's just so off the wall. You just whoo. <laughs> uh, but he he's really funny. Okay, that's that's my story. Right. Yeah, that's the mistaken now, identity stuff. Uh, you've gone through a lot of roles, and I mean, pretty much as we said before, like the Kevin Bacon game could be six degrees of Larry, of Larry Hankin. Um, what? Why don't you start that? Should we? Why not? Yeah. Right. See if see if it gets any purchase. Yeah. So what? <laughs> hey, it didn't hurt uh, Bacon, you know. No, it, to see what it does. But what is your? I mean, I know there's advice in the book for that guy for actors, but well, right, I'll tell you. Yeah, what is your advice as an ending moment for this interview? What is your advice for people who want to get into this? Forget it, man. Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, it, you know, it's very rare that anybody becomes a star or even yeah. makes a living. Do you know, you people out there, yeah. do you know how many people want to be an actor? I didn't. I never yeah. did. Yeah. Still don't, and I don't want to be. I never wanted to be an actor. Uh, I became it because I did it for the money. And if you're in it for the money, forget it. Now, I made money, so I, I, I made the right choice. But right. I made money for something to make movies. I make I've made thirty film shorts. That's what I did. I, I could have bought a house, several houses. I could have bought two houses, yeah. uh, but I made movies instead, and I paid for all of them myself. So, but that's why I became an actor, not to become an actor, not to become a star, because I thought it's the only way I could keep a job, keep my interest up. And make a lot of money quickly, but if you if you if you do if you get jobs, but what you have to go through to get jobs is not worth it, mm -hmm. unless you want to do it for another reason, mm. like making movies or yeah. making enough money to buy two houses. Yeah. If you want to do that, yeah. uh, cool. Money. Yeah, do it for housing. Okay. Do it, do it for housing. But other than that, my advice is no, don't do it. Unless, and yeah. there's only one unless, you have such a case of OCD fire in your belly that there's that you stay awake at night chomping it to bit to memorize stuff. <laughs> That's the only reason to be an actor. Because you love memorizing things. Oh, man. Telephone books, anything. Yeah. And they'll give you like scripts and you can memorize pages and pages. Not me. Not not me. So that's my advice. So when is the book coming out? September 15th, 2023. Unfortunately. 
we're gonna look for a long time away. Yeah. We're gonna well, look- I signed the contract and I had a bad a bad agent. Yeah. We're you, gonna- know, you, you get all head up about oh, I want to get this out, I want to sign a contract, I want to sign a contract. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so the first contract you sign, you're gonna be cheated. There's no way around it. Yeah, no way around my my agent said. Larry, uh, this is my first agent. He gave me advice I remembered all my life, yeah. uh, up until now, anyway. So he said, um, remember this, Larry, because I was complaining about and celebrating what, what he said. Hey, we signed the contract. Oh, great. He yeah. said, what are you celebrating? We signed the contract. We signed the contract. He said, Larry, yeah. if we sign the contract, it means they won. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you mean by that? He said, because if they weren't winning, we'd still be negotiating. They don't sign a contract unless they're winning. So if we signed a contract, that means you haven't found how they won. You've been cheated and you don't even know it yet. You'll find out in about three or four months when you read the fine print. And me too. You know, he wasn't talking to me. He was talking to them. He said, when they sign a contract, it means they won. Wow. A priori. That that's they don't sign contracts and let you win. Are you serious? It's a corporation. Wow. Wow. So we want to thank you very much for being on the show with us. Sorry, I'm such a downer. No, you're just you're cracking us up entirely. (laughs) Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for being a part of the universe. When the book comes out, let's let's do this again. You will. We okay, will cool. this. We will definitely do this again, and we'll see you next time around. Okay. All of us, in the, movie, all of us in the movie theater time machine universe, be good. Take care of yourself, but don't be too good. Rock on.